0: Your presentation welcome back to another untitled movie review i'm one of your hosts matt roarbeck alongside he's allergic to tomatoes but he is tomato meter approved eric marchin
1: matt how are you
0: i'm doing well man how about you
1: i'm good we uh i mean we'll talk about it on the regular show which you can go listen to i right guess right now? now even um you know we just had canadian thanksgiving so we're coming back from a long weekend um and took last
0: know, week off a little bit too so yeah so you know, apologies pers- if people were looking for us no, but we kind of
1: don't apologize <laughs> you know you are you're, you're about to move uh, you know uh, uh, again and and that as as many people know is very very stressful and, and understandable that you know you need some time to kind of sort things out and you know um get ready for for that sort of change so like there's nothing wrong with that and also you know i've been going through some health stuff which is now looking you know better in terms of peace of mind okay um,
0: good we'll talk about that off air but i haven't yes. talked to you. we haven't really spoken all that much like uh, we've texted here and there but i mean this is a little bit inside well, we, i uh, mean we
1: we we hung out on my birthday so it wasn't like we oh didn't... yeah we did
0: <laughs> and then you which didn't have an update on friday then, <laughs> which we will talk about on the main show or we have talked about depending on you know we haven't recorded it yet but it's available for you now for everybody wanting recording. to
1: listen to like what we have to say about the last duel they're just like get to it already yeah yeah uh, yeah
0: anyways let's get to that all of that will be on the new episode of the untitled movie podcast which you guys should go subscribe to on podcast services everywhere or go watch on youtube if you would like but yes today we are giving you an advanced uh or advanced sorry ad- i always get this messed up because people used to go oh i go into an advanced screening no it's an advanced screening Cause it's not like advanced, you know, anyways. Um, advanced sir- <laughs> chemistry 101. yeah, yeah, exactly. We are reviewing Sir Ridley Scott's, the last duel, uh, starring Matt Damon, Adam driver, uh, Jody Comer, uh, Ben Affleck and more. Um... The, the most
1: French of actors. you've we'll, we'll get assembled. into
0: that. We'll get into that. Um, which I get it, but it's still distracting, especially, uh, for the subject matter that this film, uh, uh, kind of covers uh, one of my biggest criticisms probably I'll get to. Uh, Eric, let's just get right into it. What is The Last Duel?
1: Yeah, so The Last du- Duel is Sir Ridley Scott's um, sort of attempt at doing a Rashomon-style narrative where we see uh, three perspectives broken down into three chapters. Uh, ben Affleck and Matt Damon uh, co-wrote this adaptation alongside Nicole Hall of Centre, um, this is the first time that that Affleck and Damon have worked together uh on a script since Goodwill Hunting which was which is wild 27 years ago now and then even when you consider you know Ridley Scott's career um th- his first movie was The Duelist which was about um two petty officers in Napoleon's army uh dueling over the course <laughs> of you know the, the these three battles over the decades and, you know, how history was changing and they were played by uh, Keith Carradine and Harvey Keitel. Again, when you think of French actors, you don't necessarily think of two Americans first and foremost, um, but that film was 44 years ago. And so there's this kind of weird symmetry with him doing kind of another story in that vein, but instead of two characters that are fighting over, you know, very thin skin petty kind of differences you have a film that is trying to reflect contemporary sort of society and also look back at how horrible things were in uh france in the 1300s where
0: systemic misogyny essentially yeah yeah Mm -hmm. and especially
1: with the dealings of the church being so prominent in how a case like that was sort of dealt with back then right you could be
0: tried by the church essentially yeah and and,
1: and that's why i think that conversation has come up in the centuries moving forward that you know you need the separation of church and state um going into the narrative itself what you have is a story that is focused on three characters uh one a again uh Bit of a his own worst enemy type character, played by Matt Damon, uh, Sir uh, Jean Le Carouge, um, who is basically living in the shadow of his father and uh, has lost his wife and child as we first are introduced to him. Um, And then soon after remarries uh, Lady Marguerite, who's played by Jodie Comer, um, who's probably best known for Killing Eve, but was also in uh, Free Guy uh, earlier this year. Um, And sort of their relationship being based not on uh, love or happiness, but more so on, you know, Sir John's point of view of getting this dowry that comes along with it and sort of keeping himself in, uh, standing, you know, with society and also having to pay taxes uh, under uh, the new administration run by Lord Pierre, who's played by Ben Affleck in a supporting role, which is kind of interesting because he was supposed to play uh, the Adam Driver role originally, but um, decided to step down after certain allegations came up uh with him um which does make sense because the character that adam driver plays uh jacques legree um who is lord pierre's sort of most a trusted advisor and squire um is sort of the the villain of the piece and essentially what the story is sort of culminating to is a duel between these two knights, a duel to the death that's dictated by not only french law but uh christian uh rhetoric that one man must kill the other in order god to prove, will choose yeah to kind of to, who to, should
0: survive to, yeah
1: to prove who was right yes
0: exactly and
1: yeah. the the allegations that are being um sort of discussed is a uh is a rape um And as we see this story sort of unfold three times through three different perspectives, uh, the story does carefully consider certain elements in terms of how to tell the story. And I think that for a studio film, there are aspects that I really admired that it isn't... You look at the relationship between Lady Marguerite and Sir John this isn't a love story at all. Like there's no ounce of it. It's, it's all for, you know, profit and, and status. Like her father
0: is a coward or something, right? A a traitor. He's a a traitor to to
1: Lord Pierre. And so he's also trying to make amends. So doing that, it's, it's all strategic. He like
0: weds off his daughter to, um, yeah, and with that, you get
1: a dowry, which, That also plays a very pivotal part in that Damon wants a certain part of land, but that's been given to uh, Pierre because uh, the father owes back taxes, and in doing so, uh, Lord Pierre bequeaths uh, that piece of land to Adam Driver's character. Um, So throughout this whole story, we're seeing, you know, th- the first chapter focuses on Damon's character. The second chapter focuses on uh, driver's character. And then the third focuses on Comer's character. Um, and each chapter says, you know, th- from the point of view of this person, from the point of view of this person. Um, but I wanted to get into your review of the film before we kind of dive even deeper, because you brought up some really, I think, important points with how, the narrative omits things when in a Rashomon style story, what is so clever about that narrative structure is that it repeats the same thing over and over again to the point of mundanity where you're supposed to almost feel like it's a tedious procedural. But the point that it's making is that, you know, there are finite differences within the same scene that you're watching. And there are moments like that in the film But it's
0: inconsistent, I feel. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, I'll just kick it off. I'm very mixed on the movie. Uh, I love Sir Ridley Scott. Uh, Again, hit or miss later in his career. uh, You know, he's just pumping out movie after movie after movie. And some are better than others, which is totally fine. Um, But this specifically, I I felt, you know, one with the subject matter that the movie is trying to kind of cover, it felt. Kind of strange to me that it's like mostly written by Affleck and Damon and, you know, you bring Nicole uh, Hoff in and she, you know, obviously that's much needed in a movie like this, but you're directed by Ridley Scott would have liked to see this movie from you know, a, a, a woman directing it um, personally. That's, I guess, one thing that we can get into a little bit later. But then when it comes into the actual structure of the movie, um, you know me, love chapter-based storytelling. I even love the Rashomon style. Like, you know, here's three different perspectives of the same events um, that might be slightly different. Who should we believe? Who is telling the truth kind of thing? How do people perceive different interactions, even though they're the same interactions? But what the movie does, I found the editing to be, kind of the biggest kind of whiff for me in the entire thing where even in the opening chapter or even the prologue and things like that um it felt chopped up and very disjointed right off the bat and i'm just like this feels weird like big chunks of the story are missing or omitted or it just jumping around like and time frames just not
1: well, especially in the first act, right?
0: Yeah, in the first act specifically. And um it just jumps around and you're from different perspectives. It's not just it used like you said, it is kind of from uh, uh perspective in that first uh chapter, but It still kind of tells you bits and pieces of the story from all over the place. So right away, I'm like the editing in this movie just feels completely off. And then you start to kind of see what they're doing, which is like, Oh, they're going to tell this story from three different perspectives. And like what you said is, you know, in that I would have loved to see not putting into what I would love to see, but why I don't think the movie works is because they take scenes that were, uh, omitted intentionally, from that first chapter where all characters are present, or at least the character from this perspective was in that first scene. It's just, we took it out of that first chapter and just only showed it to you in the second chapter saying it's from the perspective of, you know, of Jacques Legree and, except it was also from the perspective of Carouge. We just didn't see it in his perspective because it was more convenient for the storytelling to only show you later. And it was that kind of stuff that kind of irked me throughout the whole movie where we were getting it from these different perspectives, but I'm like, you guys got to make up your mind of, are we getting this from other people's perspectives or are you just telling this in like a non-linear format? And it tries to have its cake and, and eat it too, where it's like doing both of those things. And I just feels feels super super messy so when you're watching chapter two which is supposed to be from a different person's perspective but you're getting a scene where carouge is clearly in the scene and you just left out that chunk because from a storytelling perspective that beat would be more effective if i showed it later or give you a different piece of the story it feels kind of weird and disjointed throughout the entire thing and i think you start to see that and you get more of that when you um See it from Margaret's uh, Margaret's uh, perspective as well, and you're seeing bits and pieces of a scene that were just completely omitted from before, just because it's quote unquote better that I showed it to you later and then you're also getting what we're saying with the Rashomon style or the different perspective style where certain scenes play out but they play out very differently and I think that works especially
1: I mean you should mention with that where it comes to like certain lines of dialogue are said by certain characters in in one chapter and then they're said by another and then they're said by someone else entirely in the third and that's like the kind of thing that's like you know your classic interpretation of how you know events uh, events how the truth unfolds through the eyes of each sort of main party mm-hmm. and Akira Kurosawa you know did something very similar when he made Rashomon where you know you're taking one horrific crime and seeing it from the point of view of the same people but what he did instead of what Ridley Scott does here is he showed you every scene over and over again and i almost feel that whether it was Ridley Scott or somebody, you know, on, on the studio side of things was thinking like, okay, well, we can't have the same film just repeated over and over again with subtle nuances or, you know, specificities we need, you know, to give the audience um, additional coverage uh, throughout. And like, it makes sense when you have scenes with driver and uh, ben Affleck's character uh, Pierre where you know they are kind of almost like the Ben Affleck Matt Damon and what you would expect like a, a buddy comedy to be weirdly and sort of that kind of broism of you know France at that time and like I understand that okay yeah Lady Marguerite and 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 Sir Jean are not present in those scenes so it's okay to include those moments to maybe sure. add some um, additional You know, sequences. But when, to your point, when you have those three characters present in any one scene, and then, you know, you insert something new within the second or third sequence that wasn't in the sequence before but was in the same location with the same characters it does feel disingenuous to the narrative itself more so than anything and then that's not even including you know your point that you made with having you know a male director um sort of tackle something that is very you know much a sort of me too style storyline told in you know the 1300s but I will say this for Sir Ridley Scott of the male filmmakers, he has always been very pro-female, female forward when it comes to his protagonists, whether it be an alien or Belvin Louise, G.I. Jane. Like he's he's one of those guys that's like, okay, if you're going to give a male director a a A somewhat heavy because, again, it's it's divided into three stories and it's from the point of view of three people. It's not just from uh, Comer's character's perspective, but at least it is a guy who does seem to be, you know, very much um, pro-female. In and I agree. Like, I don't think
0: he's, he's, you know, I don't think that feels disingenuous and I'm, I'm totally okay with some of, of his uh, profile and stature and, you know, his ability to get a movie like this made to tell this story. Um, that being said, I, I, I do wish that maybe, you know, he produced the movie or, or something like that and maybe had his hand in it a little bit as like a hands-on producer, but I just feel like, you know, Again, going back not just from that editing to what we're talking about here, like it just still feels very masculine at times, especially oh, sure. when you're covering this subject matter that I think is so important, especially right now. And and if you're using that to juxtapose of how it was, you know, back then and how not a lot has changed since then, um, that I just feel like you need. I I just felt like, especially ending on this big bombastic thrilling violent duel and Which you might really go god
1: is 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 very good at good like at and like, he can do that in his sleep
0: and it's great it's an exciting duel like there's a lot of stuff in this movie those big uh battles and stuff like that that all looks fantastic is exciting violent but then that to me takes away from what the core of what this movie is about which and, is a and, chamber piece in a lot of ways yeah right?
1: because it's a conversation usually between two or three characters or supporting characters it, it it has a kind of masterpiece theater quality to it where like the trial itself i think should have been more of the centerpiece where that comes into the where you could get the different perspectives chapter, right? right like yeah and, exactly
0: like you could use that as the framing device instead of going well i want to do it non-linear and i also want to show from different perspectives and then it just becomes confusing and feels chopped up and then when you get this very masculine fight at the end of it and even though some people might go well that's the point of it right especially with how the movie ends especially we overshadowing that. you
1: know the actual allegations um, and yes the victim herself. and i get
0: i get that that's probably the point of it right but it still feels like it takes away from like i don't think it ended on a spot where it really it, it doesn't it doesn't and it's hard to go into it because i don't even though it's like you know you can read what happened but um it's not like it's spoiling that well much, yeah but, it's,
1: it's a historical moment yeah. and it's based on eric yeager's book so like, exactly it's, it's, yeah i mean it's not a very it's maybe not as well known as some that's why i trials. don't want to necessarily
0: yeah. go into it but um that just felt kind of i don't know it just didn't completely work for me and then on top of that finally and i don't want to sound too negative because i'll get into some of the positives because i don't hate the movie and i think it is like we said it's it i i think it's shot well the action sequences are exciting um the acting is you know i have a problem with Casting uh, Americans as these French guys, and like, <laughs> um, and that it does feel very popcorny Hollywood kind of. You like you said. Well, it's like that. classic like yeah.
1: 1940s and 50s Hollywood where you get these kind of big name actors to play roles that aren't. Maybe write for them in terms no of. No one's their doing an accent.
0: Everyone just sounds American. And even the way they say Jack LaCourouge or whatever, or Jean right. LaCourouge, Lec- yeah. like even, it's. Even just... the makeup, I mean, and the makeup yeah. and the hairstyling hair. has
1: been talked about a lot where like yeah. Matt Damon could either be someone from the 1300s or, or 1999. From the 1990s <laughs> in Oshawa, Ontario. <laughs> <Thanks>. um, <laughs> I'm yeah. moving away in two weeks. so. Um, but, but it's true. Like it just kind of feels like, you know, both Ben Affleck and Matt Damon's character listen to Limpit. you know and yeah and
0: i think that's what again took me out of it and it's again i go back i'm like i think the subject matter in this movie is so important and should be handled with such care especially when you're talking about and and like yeah yeah, like when you're talking about sexual assault and and things like that like it's it's hard for me to take it seriously when you have ben affleck and matt damon in this hair and makeup with no accents at all who are also Um, very actually would probably be worse general it would be worse if they tried to do french accents to be honest but like um so when you have that kind of stuff in there that takes me out of it so like when you get to the part that, you know, I think Jodie Comer is great in the movie and her sequence is the best part. And I don't I think, think
1: any, I, I should say this. I yeah. don't think anybody is actually bad in the film. I, agree. I think that maybe the the miscasting is one thing, but like what I actually do find really fascinating and I've been thinking about this a little bit um, pertaining to Matt Damon's career specifically is he's now entered a phase where <clears throat> he seems very comfortable at playing unlikable Leads or even supporting characters with this Stillwater and even the Steven Soderbergh movie, No Sudden Move with his cameo in that, where, you know, you think of Matt Damon in the late 90s into the early 2000s and, you know, this charming kind of affable leading man who, um, you know, has a penchant for both um, comedy and then, you know, surprise people with his action chops as well. You know, is now playing characters who are their own worst enemies in in a way. And, and, you know, the joke that, you know, both Stillwater and 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 this, you know, Matt Damon in France um, is not a good combo for him. But I actually really like the idea that he's not afraid to play characters who are complete and utter assholes. Yeah. And that's something in this movie that I do think does take a risk where, you know, like if you're watching the trailers for this or if you're, you know, reading a synopsis only you could think that there is kind of a nobility to the film or that there is a love story between Comer and Damon's characters and that no, everyone's know, this is trash a story except for honor. her <laughs> yeah and and I actually really do like that that these characters are reprehensible and slimy and yeah Adam driver's character is, is the worst but that is is only because it's facilitated by somebody like you know lord pierre and and even though affleck i don't think is as good of an actor compared to uh damon comer or driver he weirdly almost reminds me a little bit of you know speaking of another boston actor uh uh mark Wahlberg in the departed where like sure. he weirdly is kind of like the comedic relief slash he's kind of that supporting character that comes in every now and then and kind of interjects sort of a weirder pans it up and, yeah. and he doesn't really necessarily feel like he's like in the he, same movie no <laughs> yeah. no like he almost feels like he would be in a film that was you know directed by you know, Joel Schumacher or something like and that. And I agree
0: with that, but then that goes back to my point of taking me out of it. Right, <laughs> especially which I agree what, with as well. Like, again, if this movie was just, I don't know, not about what it's about, um, I I could maybe buy into that a bit more. And, well, if it and, was the
1: duelists, right? Like if it yeah. was just two guys fighting over, you know, their, their reputation or standing yeah. and feeling like the other one had, you know, basically um, sullied their good name, that would be fine. And it's actually comical. Like I I have the copy of the Duelist right here. Like you look at a movie like this and you think to yourself, like it is ridiculous where you have two American actors, you know, cast in, in French roles battling over basically nonsense and killing each other in the process or, or, you know, harming themselves to the point of where, you know, they're going to have to sort of live with those scars. Um, but this to, to what you're saying is a much more serious matter in terms of, it's not about pride and it's not about honor, even though those things are being presented. It's mm-hmm. it, it, those are, those are the, 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 the facades of what is, is ultimately a film about injustice at a time when women did not have a voice. And even though, you know, uh, Comer's character has a champion in Damon, Damon's not doing it to honor her, or defend her. He's only doing, doing it, it for himself for his yeah. own stature because one, you know, he wants to be as good or uh, better than, you know, his rival played by driver, but also again, living in the shadow of his father and feeling that he's owed something and that he's entitled to a way of life that he was accustomed to growing up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which I also do find that fast. I do find I that do too. Yeah, in terms of the, the psychology. And, and the one thing, again, I actually really did like about this movie is how it is showing how religion and christianity specifically had such a grip on the you know the process of law at yeah. that point and how grateful you know I am to live in a time where even though you know people still you know um you, you know will, will will swear on a bible and things like sure, that yeah, court, yeah but you know we've gotten to a point where you know science and logic Seems to trump that stuff. Yeah, and for I, the most part. For, yeah, for <laughs> yeah. the most part. I'm not saying like yeah. I mean, we still have people that are anti vaxxers and all that kind of stuff and believe in, in you know, religion and things like that. But there is a sensibility now where you know we have evolved so much. But then in some other ways we haven't. And 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 this movie does show that there is a regression mm-hmm. uh, within that, especially where like there's a scene between driver and Affleck where, you know, Affleck tells him that, you know, you've been accused and there's been rumors spreading and that, you know, driver, the way that he behaves is very much as the victim. It's like, Oh, you know, like she's ruining my life and all this kind of stuff. And then we should also say that trigger warning, uh, there is a rape that is shown twice and Mm -hmm. it's, I'll put that
0: at the front of this show, actually, because I feel like I should have done that off the top, but so, it's not um,
1: it's not gratuitous and exploitative, I don't think. but then again, that's coming from my perspective because I think what it's trying to do and it's shown
0: twice, and uh, I think it makes it you know, the first one's very uncomfortable. The second time is even more uncomfortable, which then makes the first one even more uncomfortable yes. because of the way that it's kind of uh, showing those two perspectives. so um, but there yes. is a point
1: to it instead of just kind of like, Showing it for the, the sake of being like, oh, how awful it was at this time period. Like it's showing you again, like how someone, you know, how the perpetrator and the victim both perceive, you know, the that same events. Yeah.
0: yeah, Um absolutely. And, um you know, I, I again, the movie. I think is at its best when it's showcasing those different perspectives. And I just felt like, uh, I I just wish it was kind of consistent with that where I felt like the chopped up editing just didn't completely work for me. And it's way Uh, too long. It is. Yeah. uh, Nearly uh, nearly three hours. Yeah.
1: But again, that's kind of what you would expect from Sir Ridley Scott when he's doing like, you know, his, his big epics. Yeah. Yeah. Whether he's doing sci-fi or historical period pieces, they're usually longer. So it's not, surprising that it's going to be that long and i mean even the other day people were saying oh gucci's over three and a half hours but then it was but now it looks like that it's, two, it's gonna be- two and a half yeah. about the same length yeah. as this right so
0: yeah and then um darius uh volsky's cinematography i feel like um you know it has that cool blue kind of ridley scott look in a lot of scenes and then obviously all that we talked about the action sequences still look and uh, look fantastic. But visually um,
1: speaking, again, there's there's this quality where you think like, oh, like Ridley Scott is known as a visual filmmaker. And a lot of the scenes are very much like these small, intimate moments that happen, you know, like you said, behind like in closed a chamber or, or yeah. things like that. And so it, it's it's it kind of is similar to when he directed The Counselor, where with that movie it's very talky and it's again, all about sort of, you know, these monologues and it kind of feels like it almost does him a disservice to make something like this. But then again, you know, he's at, he's 84 and and he's continuing to make movies and, and I applaud him for wanting to, you know, do what he wants to do. It's the same way with Spielberg. When we talk about him, where like, you know, just because you want him to continue to do, you know, action adventure movies in the vein of, you know, Jurassic park and jaws and E.T., um, doesn't mean that he necessarily wants to do that and he can do whatever he wants to do because he's earned the right to do that. And I feel the same way with Ridley Scott where it's like, yeah, he's still doing sci-fi, he's still doing his period films, but if he wants to do something that's not necessarily um, a gladiator or something that is you know, more action sort of sometimes adjacent, he
0: Sometimes he wants to and we get Exodus, Gods and Kings. So. Right, which is <laughs> one of his worst films.
1: Um, but with this, yeah, I, I think... I'm mixed positive, And the more you yeah. think about it, there are things I do really like, but the points that you brought up specifically with the editing and the way that it omits it, I feel that that narrative structure does the whole film, not only a disservice, but it is disingenuine to telling a story that essentially didn't have to be spread out over, you know, nearly three hours long. And the, the Rashomon narrative doesn't have to always be on something that is necessarily, horrific i mean we've seen it in movies like vantage point or even in something you know that's smaller and intimate as well like the disappearance of eleanor rigby which you know it's him and her and it's only two sides of the same story um but i think overall i'm just always really fascinated by what ridley scott's doing especially like even now where like he's trying to stay contemporary even if he's setting a film in you know Centuries past or, and, and, and I think that's maybe the most opportunistic aspect of the film where it's like, okay, this is, this is a me too style movie and it's taking the temperature of what's going on now and reflecting what has happened in the past and how things don't change. But it doesn't maybe do it as well as some other movies have recently done. You know, I mean, I, I know you loved it a little bit more than I did, but I think something like Promising Young Woman, yeah. you know, even though it's not a Rashomon style, but the narrative structure kind of does things that deviate from what you would expect a traditional revenge um, thriller to sort of proceed in or or eventually end up in. And so um, it's a conversation to continue to have. And, And I think that any period piece that does have a little bit of an edge to it, which this movie does, is worth watching, even though, again, it is very long. And I feel that you need to go to a theater that has really comfortable seats if you're willing to go to the theater at this time.
0: Yeah, Uh, I'm mixed negative. Uh, I'm going to give I don't hate the movie, but um, obviously I had some big issues. So I'm going to give it a two point five out
1: of five and I'm going to give it a three and a half out of five. But I really do appreciate what you were saying with those um, criticisms. And and I don't disagree with you. I think that they are um, not only valid. I think that they, you know, they go against the movie overall.
0: Yeah. And I I, I get why people enjoy the movie, too. And I, I don't disagree that like more stories like this should be told and even you know and Ridley Scott using his you know platform to do that is you know and obviously bringing in Nicole Hoff Center obviously was much needed and I think who am I to say that you know she shouldn't be involved in this story shouldn't be told by Ridley Scott but um I just yeah those issues with the casting and then the editing and stuff like that just kind of took me right out of it where I wanted it uh you know to feel as important you know, important as it should. So, uh, yeah, mixed negative for me, but thank you all for listening or watching. We really, really do appreciate it. The last duel will be out this Friday, October the 15th, um, in cinemas everywhere, only in cinemas. Um, and then I'm sure it'll drop on now that Disney owns Fox. I don't know what the, you know, theatrical windows are anymore. They're all different. So, um, you'll be able to see it on streaming or something sometime soon. If you don't want to spend the two and a half hours in a theater. um, like we mentioned, we have another show called the Untitled Movie Podcast, which we would love for you guys to check out. Uh, it's just Eric and I shooting the shit about the entertainment industry. We'll talk about Eric's birthday. We hung out and watched some uh, horror comedies. Uh, we'll talk about the new Scream trailer. We'll talk about um, uh, the casting of uh, Will Poulter for uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, Um And much, much more. Uh, So go check that out. Um, We'll also have other reviews this week for Halloween Kills. um, That should be coming to you guys uh, probably Friday morning, the day of release, um, as well as Bergman Island, which you guys will get this week, which was our kind of one of our last uh, TIFF stragglers that we decided to put out that review as the movie was coming out for everyone to enjoy. Which will be available
1: also day and date on October 15th.
0: Great fantastic um as always my name is matt roerbeck you can find more of my work around the internet but mostly at untitledmoviepodcast.com and you can follow me on all those social medias at matt roerbeck
1: and i'm eric marchin you can uh find more of my video reviews at rogerstv.com size cinema scene and on the social medias at em6211
0: until next time
1: I feel like some dunkin donuts